today on Inside the Ropes for our final show of 2020, a star-studded cast, and we're going to get straight into it with Steph Kiriakou back from Saudi Arabia. Let's go. You're listening to Inside the Ropes, Australia's must-listen-to golf show with exclusive content from both home and abroad. Subscribe through your favourite podcast app or listen at golf.org.au. Hello and welcome to Inside the Ropes of the Lost Track, Blakey. I think we're at episode number 191, and as I just said, joined by Martin Blake. Blakey, we've kicked we've kicked Andy to the curb. Um, he's just he's just really stumbling to the line at the end of the year, isn't he? COVID's got him, I reckon. A long year. He's limping to the finish for sure, Hazy. Good to be here. Thank is you. This and last this one is for the year, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, this is going to be our last uh, fully-fledged show. We, for the people listening on the radio, um, we will have one more best-of sort of highlight show next year, but this will be our last show for 2020. We appreciate you staying with us and, um, in, I guess, enduring in some ways some, some audio challenges earlier in the year, so we, we appreciate you sticking with us. Blakey, um, some great news. We've got an action-packed show here today and, like, a who's who of guests coming up, um, but some really, really solid news uh, for Australian golf to lead off our show. Absolutely, Hazy. I mean, the, you know, it's been a, a tough year in terms of COVID and, and it's impacted in different ways around the country and around the world. But Golf Australia announced yesterday, and I know you're really excited about this, that 42,000 people have joined golf clubs in the 10 months to the end of October. So that was a a survey that was done just to see what the impact was. I think anecdotally, we've all seen that the, you know, the tee times are hard to get. It's difficult to get on a golf course at the moment with everyone being at home by and large. So um, that's something that, uh, you know, Golf Business Advisory Services did for us. And it's, it, it probably runs a bit deeper than that, Hazy. Talk us through it. Yeah, well, it, it does, um, it, you know, in, we might actually touch on it a bit more later on, Blakey, but it's 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 in such an enormous figure that even count, accounting for the attrition rates of people falling off as members and the challenges of COVID-19 more broadly around clubs and everything, we stand to be uh, a 5% rise in total at this, if this current trend continues on 2019, which if you consider all the challenges and the delays, especially in metropolitan Melbourne, on being able to play, that's one of the more remarkable achievements coming out of uh, this year from any sport, I, I would imagine. And that actually puts us online to uh, go back to right, right back to 1989 before we have such a rise like that. So it's a, an historic result. And we might talk about it a little bit later because um, speaking of historic results, um, there is no one. One who's of your been, favourites. Yeah, one absolutely. Of your my, my, my colours are up the flagpole. Uh, I know that Justin Falcon is in the same boat. We've spoken so much about Steph Kiriakou this year. And as I said, leading off a cavalcade of guests, we're going to speak to Travis Smythe, Karen Lunn, Nick Dasty, uh, and we'll have a lot more to say about the uh, other news in Australian golf. But right now, I'm delighted to say that Steph Kiriakou's joined us. Uh, Steph, I, this is going to be a, a fantastic interview for us because we've been trying to map your progress all around the Middle East and Europe for a couple of months and we've tracked you down in a dingy little Sydney hotel. Yeah, I'm sorry I've been hard to track, you know. It's it's tough. <laughs> uh, we, you must be, firstly, welcome to the show. You must be beside yourself with uh, the way that 2020's panned out. It's been 
an extraordinary year on so many levels. Um, but you know, obviously for you as a an amateur to start off with, you couldn't have imagined you'd be in this position. Yeah, it's been it's been a pretty good year for me actually, considering COVID. It kind of worked out the best because yeah, like you said at the beginning of the year, I was still an amateur, planning to go to Q school in August, and obviously that completely flipped. So Steph, you, you, we should just, we'll run down, I'll get Blakey to run down the results with you in a minute, they're quite remarkable, but we need to talk about where you are and why you're there. Um, you've come back from Saudi Arabia with, uh, you know, a, another phenomenal result under your belt, but you are enduring, um, I guess, the, the problem for all Australian touring athletes this year, you're back in hotel quarantine. You better explain to us where you are and who you're with and, and what you're facing for the next little while. Okay, so a rundown. We are somewhere in the city of Sydney. We're staying at the Radisson Blue. Um, I'm sharing the room with Dad. It's been it's only day two, so it's okay. We kind of slept most of how many yesterday. Steph? Oh, how 14. many days? Oh. But but when we got here, because we got here at night, they said that that was day zero, not day one, which was silly and annoying, but. It's been okay. The food has been um, average. Could it could definitely be better, but we're getting mum to you know drop off some gourmet foods to us, which is good. Um, yeah, the room it's like a hotel room. It's not very big, and unfortunately our window doesn't open, so no fresh air for fourteen days, which is good. But um, <laughs> that's pretty much it. Yeah, it's, it's only day two, so I'm not too bored yet. When was the last time you went on a holiday and you were in such tight quarters with your father? Oh, I don't know. I think this has been our first first radio. It's because <laughs> usually, like in holidays, you can actually like have time apart. Whereas here, like we were only allowed at the golf course in the hotel, so like it's. It was a challenge at times. <laughs> and, and Steph, and have you you got, got to... I hope you've got Netflix or some, something going on there or a guitar to play or a book to read. What do you, what, how do you fill yeah. those days? I've got Netflix. I've asked my friends for some suggestions, which is good. So I've got a list of um, shows I need to watch. So, but you can the only Queen's watch Gambit. Netflix there you go. before the you. The Queen's Gambit. It's about a chess player. There's one for you. Oh, okay. I'll yeah. put that to the list after the other ten I have. But um, way to way to sell it, Blakey. That, that's a good way to sell it. Get her involved. <laughs> it's about a chess player. <laughs> it's very good. It's had some publicity. It's very popular. Yeah, it's about a, okay. a, a very famous female chess player. So. Yeah, okay. really good. I feel like you'd have uh, to. No, um, is it? Are you, are you bouncing off the walls a bit? Or? No, it's okay. Not really. Not really. Not yet. But like I said, this is only like day one and a half. Like, it's, like it hasn't got to me yet. But yeah, it's okay. <laughs> Sniff, uh, you might just want to um, try and enlighten this. I know that. Justin Falconer, for example, has been giving you our Aussie of the Week honours on multiple occasions recently on the on the Aussies on tour. 
Uh, and that comes about from a most extraordinary string of results, to be honest with you. Uh, he's, you've finished in the past six starts, seven starts rather, T5, T10, 2, 5, T17, T4, T2. Um, can you... I, I don't want to just be trite about it, but can you believe that? Uh, it's a huge leap from being an amateur heading up to northern New South Wales only a matter of nine, eight months ago. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty stoked with how I've gone. I think after the first couple of weeks, which were the Scottish Open and the British Open, I was kind of having a few, not doubts, but just like my confidence wasn't there. And then I started posting a couple of good scores, and I was like, "Oh, you can compete." <laughs> so it was okay. But um, yeah, I think once I had, once I made my first cut, then like like everything just felt a lot easier to do because I think I was just putting a lot of pressure on myself just to make a cut. But um, yeah, once I did that, I started playing golf how I think I usually do, and posted some good scores. You know, getting. Trying to get into contention in most of the events, it's always good. Steph, um, there's a couple of aspects to, to this. You know, you turn turn pro and immediately go overseas to play and you take your dad with you. I think your, your mum stayed at home uh, in Sydney. But uh, a lot of young pros really struggle with that outside of actually learning how to play golf at that level against really good players. But outside of all that, it's just being away from, from home so long, being away from friends, getting used to that grind of four-round tournaments, three-round tournaments. Um, how come you, you're so so good at it, um, you know, and, and was it difficult? <laughs> um, i got no idea, to be honest. Um, but I think... Uh, I don't know, when I was kind of at the tournament, I just felt like everything was easy. Not like playing-wise, but just like I felt like it was normal already. Like I adjusted to it pretty quick. But um, it was at some points it was a struggle because we only planned to go for two weeks and come home because Dad was a little bit busy at work and like it was this year's status um, didn't matter towards next year's status because this year's kind of like a write-off. Um, so yeah, we only prepped for two weeks, so we had more challenges like finding flights. Like we only took clothes for Scotland, which is obviously <laughs> all winter clothes. So we had to go like buy new clothes. Well, I did. I had to go buy new shorts and stuff. So the challenge was more with the travelling than the golf, which is good. Like it's a good learning curve. So now we're prepped better for next year. And have you, can you tell us if you have actually won the Rookie of the Year? Because there's been some debate about this. I believe that your win at Bonville because you were an amateur at the time and not a member of the tour. That doesn't even count. Um, but I believe that you've probably won the Rookie of the Year or at least got enough points up uh, that you can't be beaten. Is that right? Do you know the answer to that? Well, I know that my... Uh, points from Bumble didn't count because I was an amateur and um, the lady that's coming second is playing this week and I've got no idea what the points are worth but I'm, I think maybe if she top three or if she wins it she could get close or beat me I've got no idea what the points are for this week but a lot of people have said that I'm uh, far in front that it's going to be hard to 
get caught, but I don't know. We'll see. Find out Sunday night. <laughs> Steph, I wanted to go back to your, uh, you know, your, your thoughts there about packing and stuff. I, you've, you've been on the road a little bit on Australian teams and New South Wales teams. You're not, you're not averse to living out of a suitcase, but when you pack for two weeks in, in Europe, particularly in Scotland, you're not thinking, as you say, of summer clothing in, in the Middle East. How, how in the Blue Blazers have you managed to get a wardrobe together when you're in a bubble and you've now had to pack for six months on the road with all different sorts of weather and your father as a potential fashion advisor? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I'd tell you, I don't know how I did it, but... We got, we had one day, because technically you're in the bubble the day you do your COVID test or whatever. So the only time we had free, we went into the shops and had to like buy golf clothes. But that first tournament in Czech, it was hot and I was wearing pants and oh my God, it was not good. But yeah, <laughs> after Czech, we went to Switzerland and I went and bought like four pairs of shorts and bought everything, but yeah, I don't know. Because once you don't really need casual clothes, because like I said, you're at the hotel and the golf course. But after the first round of events, when we went to Cyprus, I had no casual clothes. I had trackies and like all these baggy t-shirts. So <laughs> in Cyprus, we had to go buy like normal clothes. I reckon half of my <laughs> winnings went to shopping. <laughs> <laughs> So what is, what is it you, you, you told us about your dad there having to give up some work to go away? What's the status of his work? It's, it's, it must be just backed up out the window right now. Yeah, so he's, he's a builder and he just he just finished a project before we actually went to the trip and then uh, just before we went away, he was working on our house, just finishing our house. So while we were away, the first few weeks he was, like up early making some business calls and then like he'd be calling mum and mum would be at the house like being the supervisor and I don't know what was so many work calls and I'd be on the range and he'd be behind me about 50 metres with his earphones in just calling people <laughs> but then by the time Cyprus came around it eased down and everything was pretty much done and my mum and my sister moved in by themselves which I'm sure was very stressful for mum but they managed. So what, any chance your dad can sort of run a construction business on the phone and be your bag man full-time next year? No, I don't know. Well, he's proven it this year, so might give him a chance. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you have someone in mind to be your caddy? Because I'm assuming that, um, you know, the current situation is only temporary. Yeah, I've, I've got no idea, I think, because travelling Europe by myself is tough because... Um, there's no one in Australia that has full status that can kind of travel with me. So I think travelling by myself will be tough for the first couple of years. So it's good to have Dad as a mate there, someone to talk to. Because it, it probably gets pretty lonely when you travel by yourself. You must have a great father-daughter relationship. Um, Steve, I wanted to ask you what uh, about your expectations, having done so well this year. Obviously, you'll go back to Europe next year, but uh, have your expectations changed a little, um, having done so well? Do you think you know you, you're going to be headed to America at some point? Um, no, I don't think they've changed. I think I've just, I don't know. I, 
just going to set more higher goals. I'm not going to go there and expect to, you know, come top five every week or whatever. I'm just going to set some higher goals and I've got some stuff to work on during this off period, which will probably be, probably be till about May. Um, so that gives me lots of time to work on the things I need to and then hopefully we'll be back with some better results. Steph, I know that um, you've done as I would have expected you to because you're the person to do this sort of stuff. You've given back already to a lot of uh, aspiring young girls who want to be in your footsteps coming up. Um, you've done some things with Stacey Peters, for example. And how are you dealing with being a role model so soon after you were aspiring to be you know, the next Kari or the next uh, Minji or anything like that? Oh, I didn't even know I was a role model, to be honest. <laughs> I haven't, um, I don't know, I've, I met a few of um, the girls at Vic Open when I was still an amateur. They were, like, asking me questions and stuff. And then after, and, like, during my trip, a few of them have messaged me. So that was nice to see that they still remembered who I was because I honestly thought that that wouldn't happen. And then I had a conversation with a few of them, which is nice. Have you been surprised by uh, the amount of adulation you've got from the country more broadly, or is it something that you just, you know, you're rolling with the punches on? I'm going to be honest, I don't know what adulation means, so you might have to <laughs> explain that one. No worries. See, I guess, you know, a lot of people have said your name and, and spoken about your name, and it's been in the. Uh, the public forum, I guess, a lot more than you perhaps might have expected. Are you surprised by the way uh, that it's been taken up by people who you didn't know before this year? Yeah, I've actually, yeah. It's been pretty cool because I've gotten, like, messages from people who I've got no idea who they are. And it's, like, nice to see that the whole, not the whole of Australia, but, like, it's not just the people I know. Like, it's not just my family and close friends. It's, like people I don't even know support me so it's good to see see that and one on just on that we've had um you know a, a great selection of our female talent come on the podcast with us this year and when they start mentioning you in the in the same conversation as Hannah and Minji and potentially uh Gabby Ruffles and Catherine Kirk etc as part of this growing band of Australian female golfers does that inspire you to, to sort of you know, keep at it and take the next step? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's nice to get compared to someone like Curry or someone. And, like, when she sends me messages, you know, it shows the support. So, yeah, it's nice. And I've seen some of the things she said about me, which make me a little fangirl, but, yeah, it's nice. You can be a fangirl, Steph. It's okay. <laughs> Until you've, until you've won seven majors or eight majors, maybe, and go past you, you're entitled to be a fangirl of Kari. No, we, Steph, we, you always gave, uh, always give us great access. We know that um, we've nagged you a few times for some audio for the podcast, and you've always been willing to jump out of bed and do it for us in the wee hours in Europe. So thank you. And I don't know what to say other than to wish your next 12 days to sort of fly by and so that you can enjoy the time with the family and the new digs. Yeah, I can't wait to be out. Thank you. <laughs>
Mate, seriously, thank you from all of Australia. You've given us a great ride over this uh, really bizarre winter of golf. Congrats. Thanks, Steph Kiriaku. We appreciate your time on Inside the Ropes. Thanks for having me. Steph Kiriaku, Blakey, I mean, amazing story. She's uh, just taken all before her and, and to me, the success story among many in Australian golf this year. Yeah, playing at a very high level, Hazy, and just a whirlwind. And it's just... I suppose the expression that comes to mind is a duck to water. You know, she just, she's taken it in her stride. It's been an unbelievably tough year for all golfers and all people. And, uh, you know, just continued to play terrific golf. And uh, we'll, we'll, you know, it be interesting to hear what, when we talk to Karen Lunn later, um, CEO of the new uh, women's PGA, uh, what she thinks about what Steph's done, because it's, it really hasn't escaped people's notice. It is truly remarkable. As I said, we've got uh, a ton of stuff coming up on the show. Straight after the break, we're going to talk to Travis Smythe. We will talk to Karen. We will talk to Nick Dasty. And there's a whole lot more of news in the last segment as well. So we'll take a break now and come back on the other side of this. Let's go back inside the ropes with Golf Australia. Welcome back to Inside the Ropes. And I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled we're going to keep this St. Michael's... Uh, flavor of the inside the ropes rolling today we've already spoken to steph kiriaku and now we're going to join one of her club mates her former state teammate uh, and he's traveling all around the world just trying to make things happen travis smythe welcome to inside the ropes hey guys good to hear from you yeah mate well as you know i've been trying to uh, sort you out to come on for quite a while but you've been a busy boy i know that and it's it's been a, a weird year for you hasn't it I've been all over the place. I'm sorry I haven't been on the um, the show, but I'm thrilled that we finally get the chance to speak, even though I'm, I'm rushing to a physio appointment, but we'll make the most of it. <laughs> so where have we caught you, mate? We caught you somewhere in Florida. I'm currently at the Golf Australia house, um, yeah, in Orlando, Florida. Good place to be right now. Not really for COVID, but in terms of, keeping life a little bit more normal, it's, it's kind of okay. Well, normal for a golfer, I should say. Like, you can just go to the golf course. They're all open. Um, rakes are back in bunkers. Stuff like that. <laughs> so, Trev, we started this year and, and you would have been eyeing off a, a more regular berth and perhaps a shot even at the money title on the Asian Order of Merit. I would imagine that was your goal when... 2020 dawned walk us through what's happened for you this year and 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 how the whole pandemic situation's unfolded for your golfing plans yeah so got off to a great start uh definitely the best start that i've had um since turning pro so i was thrilled with that um but the the good start to the year was kind of just at the back end of good form that finished last year's season as well so I'd been playing good golf for a while and um, my last event was what was it uh, I can't remember now probably the Oman Open or the Vic Open um, no actually it was the Malaysian Open on the Asian Tour in March yeah so I mean I was playing great golf and then now COVID hit and for the first few months I guess none of us really knew how long the thing would, would uh, last um, kind of in the back of my mind, I assumed that Asian Tour was going to be one of the last tours to get running. 
Um, so I just basically jet set it over to America. Um, and it's been pretty, I don't really know how to put it, relaxed, I guess. It's kind of like a forced period to take things easy and, but, but still, I'm still working on my game, but, you know, I've been over in America and I've just basically done a Monday qualifier. Um, I've done a handful in a row, but I've, I've wrapped up about, how many now? Five, five Monday qualifiers. So they've been spaced out and I've been kind of, they're my kind of tournaments, you know, since COVID. So I've still had little things to kind of prep for and, um, I'm working on some pretty exciting stuff at the moment now with some club equipment and I'm really looking forward to to, to getting that all done. Um, and there's some light at the end of the tunnel and Asian Tour is going to start back up in January, hopefully, we have plans for. So that's, that's been my life since this whole COVID thing. Trav, it's Blakey. Um, I was reading on your Twitter feed the other day, you'd shot, you know, it's a pretty hot stand at the qualifiers i'm not sure what you're trying to what tour you're trying to uh, do the qualifiers for but you shot 68 67 66 and 68 in your last four qualifiers without getting through once yeah it's um it's a little annoying because people see the scores and think oh wow that's like it must be so tough but it isn't really that tough like the the they put it on, when I say it's not tough, like to, to shoot those scores, it's not as hard as what everyone thinks, thinks it is. They, they put them on like these public golf courses, um, unis they call them in America, and they put the pins as easy as they can 18 times. And everyone, well, a majority of the field hit it quite well, and then it just really comes down to can you hold enough putts and reduce the bogeys to seven or eight under to get into these things. But... It's very frustrating, like, that they just set them up really easy. So I feel like I'm, you know, the scores have been shooting are great and I'm not having really any bogeys, but I just haven't had that day yet where I've, where I've held enough putts, obviously. But um, it was a little frustrating at first, but, I mean, it's, 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 you can't really assess your golf game off Monday qualifiers. They're not four-round tournaments. Um, and I feel like I've performed well in them, so... Even though I'm not getting in them, I'm kind of I'm gaining uh, confidence, as you could say, after each one, and um, spirits are still high. Uh, Trav, you're a young man at the height of his physical powers, probably, in a lot of senses. Uh, do you fear that this whole pandemic thing's blowing your, your career path apart, or is it just something that you're just you know, rolling with the punches as you tend to do? Yeah, no, I don't think so. Like, I'm only 25, so... If the pandemic didn't happen and I happened to have gotten on the European tour or something, you know, I'm good enough to get on the European tour or, or what have you. I'm, you know, I'm only 25. I'm going to get there eventually. So, you know, it just knocks another year or two or who knows, actually. Who knows? Who knows? I, I don't look at it that way at all so, to answer your question. Yeah. No, that's good. Do you, do you you said obviously you want to pick up the pieces in uh, in Asia as soon as it starts? Does that mean you're coming home to uh, potentially play the the revised PGA Tour of Australasia events as well? Well, a Asian Tour is probably going to start second week of January and have a bit of a stretch, and they're going to clash with some of those Australian events. So, um, I don't. If Asian Tour stuff doesn't go ahead, then yeah, I'll come home and play those, but. 
Asian tour does happen, um, I won't be able to. I'll I'll go play over there. They're much larger events, and that's kind of like where I kind of yeah put my focus to. So what's what's happened with quarantine on Asian tour? You've obviously been in contact with um, you know the the people who are in charge of that tour. They've obviously been liaising with their playing base. What what's the go there in terms of quarantine and and schedule etc. So. What um, they're finding, a lot of the countries are now going to allow um, the tournaments to go ahead, but to get into these countries, we're all going to have to have a test done prior to travelling. We've seen, I think, like 48 hours, and then we then go from the airport, they provide like a shuttle for us to the hotel, and I think we all get... Well, no, I know, sorry. We all get tested again once we get to a hotel, um, and then we, I guess, wait, in, wait somewhere near the hotel, in the hotel, not quite sure. And then once that um, result comes in, if we're, um, we're all good to go, then we can go to the course. But it's going to be, for the first, I think, probably month and a bit, um, it's just going to be pretty strict. Like, you can't leave the hotel. It's just going to be hotel, golf course, hotel, golf course. They provide the transport, um, you know, no wandering the streets eating street food, which kind of sucks because I love doing that. But uh, the event will go ahead um, as long as we do those protocols. So happy days. Trav, what's, Trav, what's it like living in America in the post-election craziness and in the midst of a pandemic? Uh, what's it actually like? Yeah, so you see some big trucks in America with big Trump flags flying off the back of the, the cars, which kind of looks a bit extreme. But um, everyday life for me as a golfer is kind of fine. Um, I don't ask questions about it. I don't really watch the, the news or the media. So I'm probably not the person to ask, unfortunately. Uh, that's, <laughs> Nothing that's exciting you, coming from me about politics. With you, uh, with quarantine and stuff, will you be able to get home for Christmas? Uh, we were talking to... Suo and Hannah Green um, last week, and because because they've got a a tournament on or a US Opens on next week, uh, they're going to end up in a hotel for Christmas. Um, will you be able to get home uh, to right. Sydney? Um, I, I I'm not going to come home. Um, as much as I love Australia, I love Sydney, love being at home, friends and family, golf course, golf coach, everything is kind of at home, but. I'm dating a girl that lives in America and I love being over here and um, that two-week quarantine is really off-putting and uh, just, yeah, I don't think I'm going to come home. I'll, I'll kind of stay over here and even when Asian Tour does start, you know, it's only going to be a four or five-week stretch and then there might be two or three or four weeks off. I'm probably going to have to trek it all the way back to the US because I don't want that three, four-week kind of off period, you know, taken up by a two-week quarantine. Um, so, yeah, I don't really know when I'll come back to Australia. I really hope um, something's put in place where you can, I don't know, be in a hotel for five days and then get tested and, or something like that for two weeks and you have to pay for it. And I don't know. I've talked to a lot of people that have had to do it and they haven't enjoyed it. And I'm kind of really trying to avoid that. Trav, you've been uh, enjoying your life around the traps for, for a few years, and I, I know that I've been giving you grief about your man bun. I, firstly, I want to know about the man bun, but you had my heart in my mouth then for a minute when you said, I love, I think, something about America, maybe. 
I thought you were going to make some grand pronouncement about your, your new girlfriend on, on Inside the Ropes. Oh, no, I've been dating her for a while, so maybe I've just been a little quiet on that front, but no, we've been dating for quite some time. So That's kind she... of why I've come to America so often. Hmm. Does she impact your decisions on what you do in the future, or is that have you got a good understanding with her that it's a global game and you just need to travel? Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, I don't know. I quite, I quite like... Uh, she's probably not going to be here in this podcast, but I quite like being away um, and not living full-time with my girlfriend. Um, I feel like it's she's busy doing her work and I'm busy doing mine. And when I feel like we go through that really missing each other stage and then we're happy to be together quite a lot and pretty good balance going. It sounds crazy. I never wanted to sign up to a long-distance relationship, but it, even if I had a girlfriend in Australia, it's still kind of long-distance. So I don't know. I've kind of found something that works. Uh, mate, we'll, we'll make sure she gets a copy of this uh, this podcast. There's no doubt about that. You're going to be under extreme, extreme heat when she hears that. I <laughs> know, <laughs> oh, no, no. No, but I have my reasons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're a good I have man. my reasons. <laughs> Trav, I know you've got to get away to your uh, physiotherapist here. May we really appreciate your time. One last question from me. Um, uh, we had in the previous segment, Steph Kiriakou, who I know you're good mates with and uh, spent a lot of time together in New South Wales state squads with early in early days. You must be absolutely blown away by what she's achieved this year, your St. Michael's uh, club mate. Stephanie, yeah, she's She's doing awesome. Um, you know, we play, we have this, this particular game weekly with two probably 30 handicappers. So we're never really going head-to-head, taking it real serious. But whenever we play, impressive. And, um, you know, I'm not surprised one bit that she's, like, tearing it up so soon. She's obviously found a way to be very comfortable straight away. But it's great to see. Steph is always shy when she comes on. She's just a little bit coy. You must have some inside stories that you could share with all our listeners. A story about Steph? Yeah. All right. Uh, hmm. Oh, look, our, the relationship I have with Steph is just purely golf-related, you know, just seeing each other all the time at St. Michael's. Um, oh, man, I don't think I have any crazy, outrageous stories, but... <laughs> Whenever our matches come really close, uh, actually, it's not even a funny story. She's just a good golfer. Whenever our, whenever our matches come close, she always pulls off like a really good shot with her like hybrid or three wood, and I'm hitting like a, a pitching wedge into a par four or something. She's hitting like a three wood, and she'll make it. She's just she's clutch. So yeah. I don't know. She's got that trait, but that's not really a funny story. I I'm, I'm sorry, guys. I don't really have one, but um, yeah, don't be surprised if she just continues this trend. She's pretty good. Yeah, no worries. Mate, we'll let you go. I know you've got the appointment coming up here, so we appreciate you taking the time to join us, and we wish you a you know, great end to the year, and hopefully we can see the, the Smythe game romping around Asia in the new year and uh, all things are well in your world. For sure. Yep. Thank you so much for having me. Take care, guys. Thanks, everyone. That's uh, Travis Smythe on Inside the Ropes. We'll be back with uh, Nick Dasty and a really important, some great news from the newly named ALPG Tour. We'll come back with a new name for that on the other side of the break with Karen Lunn. Let's go back inside the ropes with Golf Australia. 
Welcome back Inside the Ropes and as we discussed and promised uh, before the break, some fantastic news for the world of golf emanating from Australia all around the women's game. Uh, Blakey, you and I have been talking about this for a very long time, the LPGAs and ALPGs of the world obviously feature the letter L and as of yesterday, uh, Tuesday, we're recording this on a Wednesday of course, uh, the ALPG has become the WPGA in a world first for Australia. Yep, we're leading the world, Hazy. I'm really pleased about this. And I did send a little note to Karen Lunn, who we're going to be speaking to in a moment about this uh, yesterday. Um, I just think language is important. And if we, uh, you know, perception's important as well. And if we are trying to attract women and girls to the game of golf, then we have to have our language correct. And the L word just doesn't cut it. It's It's out of the you know, 1920s or something like that, I don't know. It, it kind of, it speaks to privilege rather than anything else. It's, it's just not the right word. And a lot of golf clubs around the world are gonna drop this word out, I think, uh, over the next few years. I, I can really see that coming because it's women we're talking about. We don't go around and say, we're gonna play in the gentleman's comp this week, do we? You know, it's, it, it's, it's women. So. I think this is a really important change that's been made. Agreed, and I I'm, couldn't be prouder that it's happening in Australia. And the aforementioned guest you promised, Karen Lund, has joined us. Karen, I'm not even sure what we call you now. You're the Chief Executive Officer of the... WPGA Tour of Australasia. That is magnificent. That must make you really proud. Well done. Yeah, it does, um, guys, and, and thanks for having us on this morning. Um, yeah, it is a proud day, and it's great to see that, you know, Australia are leading the world uh, in something. You know, ourselves, who are now the formerly the ALPG, now the WPGA Tour of Australasia, sit alongside the PGA Tour of Australasia and, and represent the playing arms of the professional game in our country. So, uh, you know, we're very proud about that, and, and the PGA is, is an iconic brand uh, worldwide, and, and adding the W to, to that, um, as we said, language is important, and, and uh, we wanted to be brave. Most of the other women's associations around the world are still branded ladies, uh, but obviously we wanted to go that extra step. And you know, we're a women's tour, as you said, it's not a gentleman's tour and a ladies' tour. Um, yeah, so we're, we're very, very proud and very, very excited about um, what this could lead to in the future. So you mentioned there, and Blakey mentioned the same phrase that language is important. What what does it actually mean to you, and by extension, to the uh, the professional world of women's golf in Australia? Yeah, well, well, I mean, since I came into this role, you know, what is it, almost seven years, well, more than seven years ago now, actually, um, you know, people used to say to me, you know, speaking to corporate friends, uh, for example, someone like Lionel Lee, who's a great friend of ours from Bing Lee, he said, nobody knows what ALPG is. He said, somehow you have to align yourselves with the PGA because the PGA is the brand that everyone in Australia, you know, and worldwide, but it, it's recognised as representing the professional game here in Australia. Um, so we've been working with the PGA really probably for five years now on um, a number of projects. We started off small with our dual membership and, and it's led to this. So, like I said, the, the point of difference, you know, we, we have adopted the PGA tour of Australasia brand but that point of difference the W which links beautifully in with the PGA um, the PGA markets it, 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 it's, it's, it's a brave move we know that because none of the other women's tours have gone down that route uh, but you know that's you know we've adopted the color purple as our corporate brand which is obviously brave and ambitious and yeah hopefully we're, we'll lead the way for the rest of the world. Karen, I, I presume you agree with me that the, the ladies thing was just outdated, but I, I've had the discussion with a few people about it over the last few months, including my, 
my partner Fee, who's a golfer, and um, I just uh, I, I think that uh, it, it it kind of uh, it, it, it's important that that even at golf clubs you look around at the golf club. Uh, you know where I play, and it's got lady members on the on the door to the change rooms. You know, and the the red tees are the lady tees. And I think some people might look at this and go, "Well, it's it's just language." But uh, you know, to me, it has a big, you know a greater significance. Oh, it does, and, and especially if we're looking to attract um, younger women and girls to our sport. As you said, you know, the, the word ladies, the phrase, you know, ladies and gentlemen, is, is very much sort of 1950s, um, you know, and we want to look forward. And, you know, I completely understand organisations like the, the LPGA Tour in the States. You know, it, it's the oldest um, professional tour in the world and, and without doubt the most successful. So clearly they don't want to change their brand. They've got a brand that works and, and clearly they're, um, you know, they're the number one women's professional tour. Why would they do it? But for us, you know, we want to grow, we want to give our members more opportunities and we want to get more women um, golfers playing the game and that obviously will lead to more members of our association. So uh, yeah, I, I agree with you, you know, that the term ladies, it, it, it almost makes me cringe to be honest and, you know, when we look at the, the WBBL, um, you know, the W, uh, the women's basketball, you know, they're all W, none of them are ladies. So I think that Australia is really leading the way um, across all of our sports, not just in golf. Yeah, there's a patronising edge to it, isn't there? And um, I, I'm just thinking the, you know, the ladies European tour is still there. I think the Korean tour still uses the word ladies. Um, so there's a few. Do you, do you think that we might see a few change now that this has happened? Um, maybe. I don't know how important it is. You know, for the Asian countries, they probably don't appreciate the, the difference between ladies and men. Uh, ladies and women, sorry, anyway. It's just, um, you know, they obviously speak a different language to us. So I don't know the significance to, to some of the Asian tours. But, you know, the Ladies European Tour, again, it's been around for a long time. It was actually, it did start out as the WPGA Tour uh, many, many years ago when it began. But obviously there was a shift to, to ladies and probably to align with the LPGA. So, you know, I don't know if we're going to see any any massive changes. But, you know, obviously we can only control what we do. And, and we think that it's a, a really important moment for our sport. So two things uh, for me about this still, current. You mentioned the purple. I'd like to know the significance of the purple. And two, is there any way the ALPG survives? Like, do we need to still, sort of still refer to it in any way or is it now a thing of the past? Yeah, no, the ALPG is, is now known as, as WPGA Tour of Australasia. So, um, you know, anything that was branded ALPG or, or known as ALPG will be WPGA Tour of Australasia um, moving forward. So, yeah, that's that's our new name and, and obviously, you know, one we're very proud of. And the purple, is there any significance to the purple? Yep. Yeah, well, obviously, you know, we, we've adopted the PGA brand and they've, uh, their corporate logo has gone down the route of, of green, which is historically the, you know, you look at the PGA brands across the globe, um, you know, most of them are, uh, you know, have a sort of a green base to them. Um, and obviously, you know, we are, I think an important point to note is that we are keeping our independence. The WPGA Tour of Australasia is still an independently run organisation and the same governance structure and board and staff in place that was the case with ALPG. So we wanted to, to distinguish between ourselves and the PGA. So as I said, with the purple, the deep purple, it's a it's an ambitious colour and it's a brave colour. Um, it has a feminine, I guess, connotation to it being, you know, purple. It's not pink, but it's sort of a, um, I guess, a, a, a deeper tone of that. So, uh, you know, it does represent, I think, femininity 
community as well. Um, and obviously just that W, that, that's, it's a strong W, but it does link into the PGA brand beautifully. So that's that's the basis of us. Um, you know, and I've got to thank SC Creative who did um, all of the work with ourselves on the PGA. They challenged us, um, you know, a, a lot with it. Um, it was a, a very complex uh, operation and, and building the PGA brand family as they're doing. It was, uh, you know, much more complicated than I ever envisioned, but it was a great process to go through and I think we've got a great outcome. That's a brilliant segue, Karen, because uh, you talk about independence. Um, this was the hard question I had for you. In the longer term, uh, do you think that the WPGA Tour uh, would come together with the PGA Tour of Australasia in, into one body? Do you, do you think that that could or would or should happen one day in the longer term? I know that for the time being, you're running your own race and collaborating on a few things, but in the longer term, is it is it going to be better that, that everything is together? Um, I think there's been a lot of conversations about that. Um, there, you know, there were conversations a few years ago with Project Align and bringing, um, you know, Golf Australia, the PGA and ourselves uh, together. I think it's just one step at a time at the moment and this is a step we've got to right now and this has taken us sort of five years to get to this point. Um, you know, we've got a great working relationship, our two boards, the, the WPGA Tour of Australasia board now and the PGA of Australia board um, and our staff, uh, you know, we get on great and we're really enjoying working with them. So I'm not saying it won't or shouldn't happen in the future and it may well happen down the line uh, but at the moment you know we're very happy to the point we've got right at the moment I think that there's been a lot of discussion in uh, within the golf industry in recent years how convoluted the industry is and how you know people are confused about who does what and who whose roles are you know sit where in the industry but I think this certainly clarifies where the professional bodies sit um, the two tours sit alongside each other and then the PGA of Australia is re responsible for the vocational arm of golf in Australia now so I think that that clarifies um, clarifies the prof where the professional game sits and who does what and who's responsible for what um, um, and, you know, it may well be that the best thing that, you know, everyone comes together at some point in the future, but as we all know, these things don't happen overnight. And, and I think both of our bodies are really happy to get to the point we have now and we'll continue working together and, you know, work out what synergies there are between our two organisations and, and, and ways we can work together to, to grow the game because ultimately that's what we're all here for. Karen, one last from me. Uh, it, as we, we really appreciate you having joined us so many times this year to explain... Uh, so many different aspects of the of the WPGA tour. Uh, it, it's about the schedule. Um, hopefully, we'll talk to Nick Dassey in a few minutes about what's happened on the men's side of the game. Is there any relief in sight for a possible group of tournaments or a single tournament or something in the summer, just to give everyone a taste of what they've been missing? Um, for us, it'll be the two TPS events. The one at Rosebud. Um at the end of January and the one at Bonnie Doon in uh, the first week in March. Um, you know, given that, that we don't have actually that many of our members based in Australia, we have a large um, a large group of our members who are based overseas, it's, it's just going to be impossible for us to put a full field event together because we just don't have the numbers um, with the current restrictions in place, um, you know, on people coming into Australia. There is a lot of interest even from, you know, a few of our members that want to come down for those TPS events, but they have to get, ex uh, get exemptions from the government just to even enter the country and then they 
they have to quarantine. So uh, we'll, we all understand the, you know, the difficulties around, you know, professional sport at the moment. And we see what, you know, is going on with Tennis Australia at the moment, um, you know, trying to work dates and, and, and all that stuff out with quarantining. It's just, it's very, very complicated. And obviously, you know, we can do whatever we want, but ultimately be government that make those, um, those decisions. So now it'll be the two TPS events for us. And, um, you know, I know Nick and his team at the PGA have been working really hard to put a schedule together for their players. Obviously, you know, we're, we're as frustrated as everyone and um, obviously not having our major events on, on the tour next year is going to be really, really tough on our members that are based here in Australia. But, you know, we just want to make sure that, you know, everything's in place for us to come back all guns blazing in 2022. That's what, you know, we've started working on that already and that's what we'll be working hard on next year. And my, sorry, we'll definitely make this the last one. That was a bad lie from me a minute ago. We had uh, <laughs> Steph Kiriakou Steph on earlier in the show. Um, you, uh, as a fan and as a player, a past player, but also in your role, you must be absolutely beside yourself with what she's done in the past couple of months. Yeah, it's been extraordinary. Um, I think, you know, when you look at what Steph did earlier in the year to come out and win the Australian Ladies Classic, and she didn't just win, she decimated a very, very strong field. So I think we all, you know, Steph, you know, she... I think she, she'd be quite open to admit that she probably wasn't even the best player in her club. Um, and then all, all of a sudden, you know, but she's just got that X factor. And, and I've always said that about Steph. You talk to her and, um, you know, she knows where she wants to go. And, you know, she's a hard worker. She also likes to have a life as well, which is great. She, she seems to have got that balance. Um, you know, and she played the Vic Open last year. She made both of the cuts, which, you know, in an LPGA event is, is a great achievement. And obviously went on to win the Oz Ladies Classic, as I said, in her cancer. And then she just got from strength to strength and I think that it shows how tough she is mentally because it's been such a tough year for her being away from her family. I know her dad's been with her but you know to be away from her mom and you know the rest of her family for a young girl you know we forget how young these kids are you know to, to go away and be away for virtually seven or eight months it must have been so tough for her um, so you know hats off to her that you know she's made the best of a, a really tough situation um, and, and she's only going to go from strength to strength I know that she's you know intending to have a little bit of a break now which is well earned um, and then just enjoy spending some time with the family but she's an extraordinary talent and and like I said it's not just the talent you know there's a lot of talented players but she's got that mental toughness that we've you know I think we've spoken on the show about before that you know perhaps some of them don't have um, at her age so you know I think everyone has been so impressed um, you know the only thing she didn't do was win as a pro but she went so close and in some really top you know top class you know big events so yeah I think the sky's the limit for Steph so obviously she'll play in, in Europe again next year and and I presume then uh, you know COVID allowing she'll uh, she'll go on and try and get onto the LPGA tour the year after. Thanks Karen you've given us such unbelievable access through the year we really appreciate you taking us inside the, the the walls of the new wpga it's just an awesome thing even to be able to say thank you again for your time we really appreciate it no thanks thanks guys for having us on and uh wishing you all the best for christmas and, and look forward to catching up again in the new year perfect Same thanks karen Lund joining us yeah cheers thanks cheers, karen. blakey it, it's been an amazing uh, action-packed show here I'm, i know we're just trying to track down on the phone here nick dasty in a couple of minutes but that's really good news isn't it I think it's fabulous. You know, I, I, as I said before, I, I'm sure people will look at it and go, "Well, it's just a word," but it, it's it's more than that. It's more than that. It's it's important symbolically and from a language point of view that we get get this right. Well, Blakey, it's a it's an energetic show here today. We're buzzing all over the place, and we've just had the phone ring again. We've got another new guest to join us, uh, and he's got some great news, I think, for all Australian golfers, the professional 
men, but also um, golf fans who might get an opportunity now that we didn't perhaps think was going to happen for quite a while. There's some good news coming up, and we're going to welcome Nick Dasty from the PGA Tour along to tell us all about it. G'day, Nick. Welcome back. Hey, Hazy. Uh, good to be on, mate. And, uh, and hey, Blakey, how you doing? Yeah, great. Thanks, Nick. Look, we've got some golf on. Uh, this is great news, mate. Uh, starting early next year with the, the Gippsland Super 6. Talk us through the, the little schedule that you've got there to, to kind of round off your, your wraparound season. Yeah, it's, uh, it's good to be uh, putting out some announcements in recent weeks around our, our quarter one schedule uh, for 2021 and, and round out our 2021 auto season. So, like you said, we're, we're kicking off with the Gippsland Super 6 uh, down at uh, Yulong Golf Club. So that'll be the, the second edition of, of that event. And uh, it was a rain-shortened event last year after a lot of rain um, across the week. So we're we're looking forward to playing the full event and, and getting the Super 6 away on, on the Sunday under some clear blue skies, hopefully. Um, from there, we'll, we'll remain in Victoria, but we'll head down to the Mornington Peninsula. Uh, we'll play the, the first of the new uh, Players Series events, the one hosted by Jeff Ogilvy at uh, Rosebud Country Club. Um, so really looking forward to that event. Um, it's going to be a, a very exciting time for, for golf in Australia with the, the men and the women um, going head-to-head uh, on the one course for, for the one prize money uh, and then some uh, elite junior golfers joining them on the weekend. Um, after after Rosebud, we'll, we'll remain on the Mornington Peninsula and we're going to just pop across the road effectively to, to Moona Lynx to play the Victorian PGA Championship. So, um, which is played in conjunction with the big PGA Celebrity Amateur Challenge. Um, so, some amateur golfers uh, around the state, and uh, if they want to, if they want to um, enter into that event, they can get online on the on the Vic PGA, uh, sorry, on the Australian PGA website, and um, and join and, and play and partner up with a professional in in that event. So, played in that unique pro am format. And we're, we've created a, another new event uh, which will be played. So the, the Vic PGA is going to be played on the Legends course on Thursday, Friday, and then transfer over to the, the Open course for the weekend. And then we're going to stay at, uh, at Moona Links from Tuesday through Friday and play another new tour event, which will be the Moona Links PGA Classic. So we'll spend two weeks there at, at Moona Links. So that'll round out a, a four-week stretch in, in Victoria. And then, uh, Nick, it's off to, you know, a slight gap there, but then we're off to New South Wales for a couple of big events as well. And obviously in this crazy year, the New South Wales Open is, is almost the beacon for everything else around the traps. Yeah, it is. Um, that, that slight gap, uh, there's a couple of weeks there straight after the four-week swing in Victoria. But, but during that time, they, they won't be tour, tour events, but we're playing four of the New South Wales Open um, regional qualifiers. So... That's uh, four two-day events played uh, played across various areas of, of regional New South Wales, and they lead into the New South Wales Open with some qualifying spots. But uh, prior to getting to the New South Wales Open, we'll have the second of the player series events uh, held at uh, Bonnie Doon and hosted by Brayton Astor. Uh, once we've completed that event, uh, the following week we'll be heading up to Queensland uh, to back to Pelican Waters for the Queensland Open, which is um, great to be heading back to, to Pelican Waters for that event. Uh, and then there'll be a week off 
prior to concluding the season at the $400,000 New South Wales Open. And, and like you said, um, probably our biggest event now across summer um, due to the due to the cancellation of our, our majors. But, um, yeah, all roads lead towards that New South Wales Open where we'll, we'll crown our Order of Merit champion. Um, and uh, at the moment we have Brad Kennedy in front in our our order of merit um, with a small lead over Minwoo Lee, so it'll be really exciting to uh, to see the conclusion of the season. A, a conclusion that uh, probably three or four months ago we thought was a, a fair way away. Yeah, Nick, I wanted to say congratulations. To, well, I know that must be a lot of hard work to get that up and running. Um, it, you've met, we all have. We've the whole industry has met with criticism about uh, some of the events not being played. But this is a, a, a great fillet for all the for the professionals who've you know really battled to find a place to get it to get a start this year. They must be, uh, I guess, congratulatory to you guys as well. Yeah, absolutely. Look, we we actually had a uh, an online um, players meeting last Thursday, um, and 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 post that meeting, there's there's been some some really positive feedback. Look, there's no doubt, and and there's no hiding from the fact that there's. Um, a significant amount of our prize money um, not getting played for this summer, which is which is disappointing on on many levels. But um, you know, uh, we've we've probably probably spoken about it to death. But there's there's so many challenges in putting events on, and I mean, yeah. we even look at um, what's happening with the Australian Open um, tennis, one of the world's four majors at the moment, and and the uncertainty that's been going on uh, even around around that event. So. It's an extremely tough time, but to be able to get these events away um, in that sort of January to March period um, will be great, um, and it'll be great to to see our domestic players in particular that have been starved of uh, earning opportunities, been starved of competition um, out on the golf course, um, playing and and going head-to-head again. Um, It's it's a fantastic opportunity, each of these events, for for spectators to get down and and, um, roam the fairways as well with with the players and and see some great action. Yeah, Nick, I must admit the eyebrows do go up when you see what's happening with the Tennis Australian Open and all the problems that they're having uh, with working out how to quarantine the players, how to get them in. Uh, I think the last time we spoke to you on this program, uh, you know, it was pointed out that the cost to try and run our major events in golf over this summer because of COVID was going to be an extra 200,000 plus each time. And, you know, it, it just became impossible, didn't it? So uh, it's great to just see some golf happening. I wanted to ask you about the uh, new PGA logo, which we spoke to Karen Lunn about immediately prior. Um, once again, we've got uh, this growing signs of collaboration between the PGA of Australia and the old ALPG, which is now the WPGA. So uh, I noticed that they've taken the male golfer away from your old logo and it's kind of a bending flag yep. type of thing. It's, it's pretty cool. And uh, it's another example, I, I guess, of, of golf drawing together. Yeah, it is absolutely, and it's um, it's really exciting time to to be working with with each of the the key bodies within within our country, and um, you know the the WPGA now um, will will move forward, and um, you know obviously through the player series as well, we're we're working extremely closely with with Karen and and her team in putting those events on, and 
um, the greater alignment um, that we have over over the coming years is only going to be good for, for our male and female professional golfers and our our elite amateurs as they as they come through the ranks. So yeah, it's really exciting time and and I think the logos look look great myself. Um, glad you glad you like them. Uh, I think the team's done a fantastic job in putting them together. This is boring for us, Nick. We normally get you on and grill you, and it's just give you a hard time. But this is all good news. Keep talking it up, Hazy. It's good. I like it. <laughs> uh, now, congratulations. Is there any one last question from me? Is there any inkling that you of the quality of field that you'll get down? I, I imagine that most of the uh, the Japanese tour players, for example, some of the Asian tour players might still be around um, to, to take part in in this January to March swing. Yeah, we're, we're pretty confident that um, they'll be extremely strong fields, um, probably stronger than what they potentially would be normally for, for events of this size. Like you said, all, all the Japanese tour guys, um, the likes of Matty Griffin and Dave Branson, Anthony Quayle, Mike Hendry, guys like that are, are all going to be home. Um, and, uh, and having spoken to, to several of them, look like playing all the events. Um, there are a couple of events that, that aren't 100% confirmed yet across Asia and European Tour for that early part of the year as well. Um, but in saying that, there's also going to be some choices for some of our sort of European Tour and Asian Tour players to make because if they head off for one or two events and then have to come back and quarantine for, for two weeks, they may choose to um, that it's better for their game and, and better for them to, to stay home and play a stretch of events here in Australia rather than rather than head off to play one or two events and then come home and quarantine. Which is so totally understood. We're, we're totally really, understood. really hopeful of uh, extremely strong skills. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's great. That's, I think that's a totally understandable position for, uh, for the players. But you guys, again, to be commended for providing the opportunities under really fierce fire here. So well done. And we're, we're thrilled to hear the summer of golf will still be played. And for those listening in, I guess, on the eastern seaboard at this time of year, uh, a chance to get out and watch some of our great players. So well done, Nick. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Hazy. Thanks, Blakey. Um, thanks for having me on again. Anytime. So that's Nick Dasty. We uh, spoke to Karen Lunn earlier. We'll be back with some more news and to wrap up Inside the Ropes. Let's go back Inside the Ropes with Golf Australia. Welcome back to Inside the Rope. It's been a bit of a whirlwind today, Blakey. We've been in all corners of the globe. It's uh, all happening, and we've still got so much to talk about in this final segment here, final segment of the show for the year, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, we will be back in 2021 in a... Not sure what date yet, but we will be back. But uh, we appreciate everyone's support through the year and all the people who have helped bring it, bring the show around Australia on the podcast and on the radio network. Blakey, there's uh, never a shortage of news, is there? Absolutely not. Uh, just from a tournament point of view, uh, you know, it wasn't super exciting outside of what happened with Steph Kiriakou, which we already spoke about. But uh, Jason Day played quite nicely in the Sea Island event uh, on the PGA Tour, 69-67-67-65. Uh, Robert Streb from the United States won it for his first tournament win in six years. But I was just interested, Jason Day... Tied 12th, changing his swing, uh, making the changes himself because he's parted from Cole Swatton, his longtime coach, um, trying to make his swing more friendly to his back. Uh, it's quite interesting what, what's happening with Jason at the moment and nice to see him 
playing well. In Europe, uh, Joachim Hansen won the Joburg Open in South Africa. And uh, I did want to mention, Hazy, uh, on the amateur front, the Tasmanian amateur was played, uh, finished on Monday of this week. And uh, Mackenzie Wilson, who's a 17-year-old local uh, girl, terrific young player, has been part of the Golf Australia program. She won the, the women's by 10 shots. It's her first big title of that sort. So I think she's previously won the amazing. Tassie Junior Masters, but uh, this is her biggest win to date. And in the men's, it was a similar uh, cakewalk. Louis Dobler, who 19-year-old out of Brookwater in, in uh, Brisbane, uh, won it by eight shots. So Louis's actually won two Queensland amateurs. I think he won a Queensland junior as well, but he's won two Queensland amateurs, a New Zealand amateur and now a Tasmanian amateur. He's one of the best prospects uh, in Australia. I think he will turn pro at some point. I was talking to him the other day. He just doesn't know when because we don't know when tour schools and that kind of thing are going to start again. And I should just mention that uh, as part of the Tassie Amateur, they had the uh, Tasmanian Senior Masters and a uh, very promising player called Lindy Goggin won that. <laughs> 70, 71 years of age, Lindy Goggin won the Tasmanian Senior Masters for women. We've had her on the program before. She's one of the legends of Australian golf. She won that. And Rob Robbie Byrne from Prospect Vale won the men's. Do you reckon Lindy Goggin's got a bit about her? You think she can go on and take it to think another level? Could be quite something, yeah. Actually her <laughs> granddaughter, Hallie Meeburn, was playing in the in the women's event, so they're only a few groups apart and she's a good mentor for Hallie, who also is one of the best young players in Tasmania at the moment. So uh, yeah, Mackenzie Wilson and Louis Dobble are winning the main prizes there. Well done to them. Well, I'm really looking forward to somewhat of a showdown, to be honest with you. The Australian Amateur Championship, which is some of our bigger news this week, uh, will go ahead uh, in 2021. It has been moved. It was originally slated for Melbourne, Blakey, but it's been moved to Adelaide and it's going to be moved back a month. So it's going to be played effectively in the same week on the calendar that had been slated for the Women's Australian Open. So for all the Australian amateur talent going around, they get this absolute blessing. Uh, I know it's not the ideal time for them to play in the middle of February, some with school commitments, etc. but they're going to go to Kuyonga, one of the most storied tournament of, uh, courses in Australian history. So uh, a, great, a great result, I think, there for the Australian Amateur Championship to be played uh, the Friday is the final day this year um, on February the 12th. So that's, that's great news, I believe. Yeah, I absolutely love Kionga. I think it's one of the best tracks uh, in Australia, which makes it one of the best in the world, quite frankly. And it's great for that, that club that having lost the Women's Open through no fault of their own, they've, they've picked up a, an Australian, another Australian Amateur Championship. Uh, what will the quarantine... Do we have any idea what the quarantine issues will be? Will players be able to get in uh, from outside without too much trouble by then, we hope? Well, we hope the South Australian situation calms down back to what it has been for the majority of the year, and that should prevent any domestic issues from happening at all. That's going to be the regular quarantine problems for anyone wanting to come from um, you know, Asia. We've had a lot of Asian representatives um, in the past few years, so that's going to be a, a, you know, a problem. They'll have to go through the regular quarantine process that everyone else does. So uh, we'll have to cross our fingers on that one, Blakey. So... Uh, let, let's push on because I know we're running out of time here. Um, I want to mention, you mentioned this, the Joburg Open on the European Tour. I want to mention a young man who played in that event called 
Wilco Ninabar, who – did you see him swing? I did he, not, but uh, I've read some of the driving distances that he was logging. Well, we've talked about this, and Clates has been banging on about it for ages, how things become the new norm in the next generation, like crazy things. Wilco Nienaber, who's who won the South African Amateur only last year, so he's only a young fella, has uh, performed really well at the Joburg Open on the European Tour, but recorded a drive, Blake, here, 401 metres. So that's 440-plus yards uh, I know it's at Joburg, I know it's at Altitude, I know all these sort of things, but you, this kid's swing is off the charts. And it was very controlled, and I think uh, that name is something that we're going to have to follow next year as we go through uh, this, this debate about the distances. So that's just one for the Black Book. Um, I do want to mention to you wow. earlier this year, we had a guest on, her name was uh, Olive Spitty. Um, she was aged... 11. I think she still is 11. She might have turned 12, but I don't think so. Now, Olive is a member at Kerrang, Blakey, you might recall, uh, and shot a course record there uh, earlier in the year uh, at age 11. Now, Olive's gone on to win the Women's Club Championship just recently. Three rounds, she shot 71, 72, 77. Uh, actually, I should say that might be a dad's score, but I beg your pardon there. But she's won the, she's won the club championship at age 11, with a leg in the air, so and she's joined by her father Andrew, who also won uh, off his plus one handicap. Probably not a, as big a surprise there, but a father and daughter combination winning the two club championships wow. at Kerrang. I just think that's amazing. Um, something that we should Brilliant. all aspire to, I think, in so many ways. And then I looked into a bit of history of the Kerrang Golf Club, Blakey, and it's happened twice before. So would you believe that Paul and Bree Lachlan, and John and Lane Harry have done it as parents and children who have won club championships at Kerrang. So, look, Olive Spitty, put it in your black book. Uh, an amazing achievement. I just hope she continues on with the golf. It doesn't really matter if she does or she doesn't. She's enjoying playing with her father right now, age 11, an absolute jet. Well, that's another good segue, Hazy, because I did want to mention that Charlie Woods, son of Tiger Woods, 11-year-old, uh, on December 19, they're going to be playing together as a team in the PNC Championships, which is a family event. Normally, you know, there's a lot of father-son teams playing that event. Uh, I think Annika Sorenston plays with possibly her father. Um, there's, a, you know, Gary Player uh, plays with his grandson, you know, so it's, they mix it around. It's a, it's a fun event, and that's going to get some ratings, that event, to see Charlie Woods playing oh. with Tiger. That'll be off the charts, the ratings for that one. Now, Blakey, you have to go. I know that. And I've just got a few things to wrap up. So if you want to shoot through, okay. we appreciate you joining us and uh, through the year and especially today. Thank you kindly. Thank you, Hazy. Talk to you soon. Uh, no way. So we'll keep going here with just the last few bibs and bobs of the show for the year. Um, I did want to mention Keely Marks, who uh, is a young woman doing things in golf. Um, she's a great golfer in her own right um, on Victorian state junior teams, etc. But has taken it all um, upon herself to be a, a dominant force for the Doing It for Jared campaign um, for Challenge Cancer. And at Heritage Golf Club at the weekend raised, would you believe, more than $6,000, $6,303 to be precise, for Doing It for Jared. So congratulations to Keely Marks and all those people involved at the Heritage Golf Club on such a tremendous achievement. And if you want to keep Doing It for Jared, please check the challenge.org.au website. Uh, I know that Bryony Lyle is still trying to get as many clubs as she possibly can to help in that in incredible cause. 
Uh, another one coming up is the longest day in golf. Now we've had um, a whole host of people um, put their hand up to play in the longest day of golf in the last couple of years. And that's going to continue this year. I understand we're on a record pace at the moment in terms of pledges to uh, make sure this event continues to expand. It began in Victoria, but has expanded right around the country. It's no longer just a 72-hole compulsory day. You can play 18, 36, 54, 72, whatever it is to get involved for the um, Cancer Council of Australia. Um, we're trying to help resolve all things to do with skin cancer here. Um, get involved. Longest day in golf. I know that um, uh, Andy Marr and myself are going to go and play again at Kerr Lewis Golf Club in uh, the beautiful Ballerine area of Victoria. Uh, we've done it for the last few years, got a few shekels together. It's the, one of the best causes going around. So it's the longestday.org.au. You can play up to 72 holes um, wherever you like. You arrange it yourself with your mates. They're extremely challenging and even more rewarding, I think is the best way to describe that. So Longest Day in Golf is uh, the website again, longestday.org.au. Get involved there and raise as much money as you can for the, challenge, for the Cancer Council of Australia. And I did want to mention uh, one more time, or actually before I do that, the uh, speaking of the Ballerine Peninsula, there was, um, and in reference to a, an ACE collection that we had a few weeks ago up at Kumiala and Mildura, uh, Clifton Springs member Mick Brislin completed a set of holes in one at Clifton Springs Golf Club uh, on the Ballerine Peninsula as well. So congrats to Mick Brislin. That's a huge achievement. And just, just touching back on the membership surge that we spoke of to top the show earlier on, um, for those, I, I just fully encourage everyone at golf club level to actively welcome all the new members that are coming on board. Uh, it's really important that we um, convert these new members into long-term members to help the, the health of golf right around Australia. And to do that, I think the best way is to, um, you know, to continue to get new people involved. And to that end, uh, I want to encourage people to look up on the Golf Australia website, the Get Into Golf, uh, our new national program for adults There's, that can be divided into a whole range of segments. There's, um, there's mixed, there's women's, there's all abilities and there's seniors. Um, it's the adult Get Into Golf program. So get in, check that out. Get people involved down at your club. That'd be fantastic. And of course, my golf sort of just rolls on. It's a, it's a force in Australian golf. That's the national kids program for kids age 5 to 12 to get involved in the sport. So check that out, mygolf.org.au as well, or through the Golf Australia website. That's just about it for Inside the Ropes for 2020. Uh, as I said, for those listening on radio, we will be back with a special best of next week. Um, I'd like to really thank um, everyone involved with putting it together. Sam has been a, a power in the studios with a lot of technological challenges in front of him. Thank you so much, Sam. We really appreciate it. Andy Marr, obviously the driving force of hosting it. I've been Mark Hayes, and there's a whole heap of other hosts who have uh, sat in this chair through the year. Um, big thanks to Martin Blake today, but also, and I, I'm, I'm reluctant to do this because I'm going to miss someone, but Mike Clayton, Ali Whitaker, Stacey Peters, Matt Cutler, uh, gee, I'm going to miss a couple and I'm really apologetic, but it's just been uh, fantastic. Justin Falconer, of course, um, a great team effort in extremely difficult circumstances technologically. We apologise for some of the audio at stages during the year, 
But for now, we will be back in 2021 at an undefined date just yet, but we will be back as soon as we can in the new year. Merry Christmas to all our listeners and have a great new year with your family.